There were no other Tom Kelly interviews on the internet. None. Have you ever given a video or audio interview? I don't think so. I think this is my first one. That's why I cleaned up. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, I shaved for the first time in a decade because I'm interviewing Tom Kelly. Um, so it's an honor to interview you in your own home out here in Rocky Point. Um, in terms of the lacrosse scene here, okay. you're a lacrosse player. Yep. Is lacrosse king or uh, is football king? Um, well, Rocky Point has been, it's like a recycle symbol, um, from different sports. Uh, it's like, whatever's big at the time. Yeah, whatever's big at the time. Like in the eighties, our soccer team was absolutely incredible. I think they went four or five years only losing one game. Your, sorry, your what? Your football? Soccer. Soccer. In, yeah, in the eighties. So okay. like the, before I was uh-huh. even alive, uh, my, my dad's glory days. Like he played he, soccer? He talks Is about that why that. you played soccer? That's why I okay. played soccer. Because that was another question of mine. You okay. seem to me like someone who's got the mindset and physique to be a football player. Yeah. Like me, when you look at me, soccer. <laughs> I mean, I, I'm looking at it now. Like, of course, when you could go back and it's like, I wasn't this size in high school. So, uh-huh. like, were you I, like skinnier? I was pretty, meaning I didn't. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was. Uh, I was less I, bulky. Yeah, less bulky. Um, I was a two-way midi <clears throat> as long as as well as a face-off guy. So you know, I had to be able to get up and down the field and um, and run. So I was. I'd say a little bit thinner. Um, I think I graduated high school at like 190 pounds, um, and I think 20 of those pounds came senior year. So um, <laughs> once you committed, you yeah, just... <laughs> uh, yeah, I kind of, you know, that's another another point. We'll, we'll, we'll get there. Yeah, we'll, we'll get, get there. there. Um, <laughs> but yeah, uh, so lacrosse wise at Rocky Point, it started soccer in the 80s. Um, our field hockey team is always really good. Mm-hmm. Um, the coach at Rocky Point, her field hockey coach, does a great job. Um, and then, like when I was in high school, lacrosse was was king around. Like mm-hmm. it, it was it was huge. All all the the good athletes who played other sports were main lacrosse players. Yeah. So like main mainstream. Like I played with the Palsack brothers, and you know Tommy's obviously a string king pro as well. So mm-hmm. you know growing up playing with them being endorsed by the same company it's kind of cool yeah um, you've had a lot of things in your career that we'll touch on yeah. come full circle yeah total full circle so you know we we ended up i believe going 21 and one um in my 10th grade season so that was 2008 when we won that, a state that was Tom, tommy senior year. yeah that was tommy senior okay. i was like a 10th grade kid who they're like all right you can take our face off and uh-huh. give, give us the ball get the hell off the field mm-hmm. you know do your job yeah. That's kind of where I learned how to be a role player. Mm-hmm. Um, I was always, you know, this advantageous kid who wanted to get out there and, and just, you know, play lacrosse. And, you know, it, it was being a part of that team and, and understanding the big picture of how skilled everyone was. And, uh-huh. and, like, and our end goal was to win a state championship. And that was, like, extremely possible if everyone did their job. Mm-hmm. So that was, like, a huge point in, in my playing career where I learned how to be a good lacrosse player, but also a good teammate. Mm-hmm. So, it, yeah. you know, like I said, I said before, lacrosse was king around. So, like, you know, I was a 10th grade kid on the lacrosse team. There were a couple of us that were starters. And, you know, it was a, definitely a cool feeling. Set us up. People knew who we were. And, uh-huh. You were yeah. local heroes. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, we like to think that way, but um, probably but, not to everybody. Well, <laughs> yeah, it's all matters if you are to yourself. Yeah. yeah <laughs> um. What, oh, I was going to say, I forgot to mention this in the beginning. 
I came here, what was that, a year ago or less than a year ago to do a little video yeah. shoot with you and we sat in the backyard and chatted for maybe like two hours and yep. after that, I didn't even end up using that video, but no. I said, I should probably do a podcast. It's in the archives. So you actually are the inspiration for this podcast, another full circle thing in your... Yeah, it's awesome to be on one now. In your it's, career, it's cool. yeah, 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 you were the inspiration. I think you had too much interesting shit really to, to cram into a, sm a short video, so I just kept, I think it was me who led the rambling, Yeah. but you indirectly because you have a lot of your story is very interesting yeah it's it's I, I i like to think of it as probably the most unique lacrosse story out there it's up um, there as as a professional um, uh -huh. you know most of these guys have you know their standard clean cut you know all american uh -huh. in high school yep. you know from all being an all-american high school to being all-american in college and uh -huh. doing four years at a you know top tier division one school and then coming out being like a top draft pick like uh -huh. It was weird because, you know, when people people kind of assume my story all the time and yeah. just like ask me where I played uh, and I say played at Virginia. Yeah, let's no, don't they, don't get into that yet because yeah, we're gonna we're right. gonna we're gonna get into that. All right, um, but I agree. You have a, a very unique path to uh, to now being one of the top faceoff guys in the game. Um, so you in high school, I, I don't want to jump past that okay. because I I would have loved to have crossed paths with TK in the tenth grade or eleventh yeah. grade. You played soccer, you played lacrosse, um, you got punched in the face by a cop once. That's just a yes or no, you don't have to get into details? No. No? no. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> no. Um, yeah, I never did anything bad either. Um, and you also went to prom with String King women's pro, Karamupo. Yeah. Which, so there's a, that's just another strange connection. Yeah. It seems very synchronistic. Another, another strange connection. Kara and I were just always good friends growing up. I didn't have a prom date. She didn't have a prom date. We figured, why not? Let's just go together. So, here we go. Yeah, here we go. Nice. Um, but yeah, that's another full circle thing. Like, I know. It, it's absolutely insane. Like, Kara's career has been phenomenal from high school to college. I mean, she was growing up one of the most incredible athletes I've ever watched on the women's side of the field and <laughs> I mean there was actually one time I think we raced in the fifth grade and I faked a, a pulled hamstring because she absolutely smoked me <laughs> out of the water so you know Carrie you get it now but yeah oh, yeah I, I definitely faked the tweet hammy because she was like ahead of me by like five steps finish line was like that is phenomenal yeah, and because if you repeated the race today you'd probably do something similar oh 100% yeah she would absolutely <laughs> If we raced at 100, I got money on camera. Yeah, well, me too. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but in a 40, it'd be closer. In a 100, I got money on her for sure. Yeah. Um, you know the first color TV was created in Rocky Point? No, was it? Well, I just went on the Wikipedia page and did a little did a little research. I knew the first the first FM radio yes. broadcast was. So I think that was the, the company RCA that okay. was doing that, had a research building that was looking into color TVs, and yeah. they created the first color tv yeah I and think. that's also for a cir so full circle because you play hours of Fortnite on a color tv i do i love <laughs> love having my color tv T yeah tell the people about uh, uh you like video games i yeah i love video games mm -hmm. i mean like i'm your shirt i'm 26 yeah say what your shirt says for anyone who's not watching so the video my shirt says guns don't kill people i kill people it's the shirt from uh, happy gilmore that his his boss, uh, the guy he shot in the head yeah. with the nail gun, was wearing uh -huh. at the PGA Tour. So, like, 
I thought it was a funny shirt. So I'll meet you in yeah. the parking lot. Yeah. What's his name, Mister? The shooter. You forgot your nine iron. Yes. I'm trying to remember his name, but uh. So you wore that after a PLL game or? Uh before one time. Okay, they they let you. Yeah. Okay, I thought maybe they'd ban that. <laughs> um, what does the term juxt mean? Stolen. Stolen. Yeah. Oh, for people listening, Tommy dropped the term juxt. I thought it meant punched in the jaw. No. Oh. And Big LZ Bonics, I'm pretty sure it says if you get robbed, you get juxt. Oh, okay. So there is an etymology, a clear lineage here. Okay, so juxt means stolen for anyone listening. That has nothing to do with what we're talking about. But what is the one where you get punched in the face? Snuff. Snuff? No, I know that one. (laughs) (laughs) Now we're giving people a vocab of Long Island. Um um, well, let's move past it. I just wanted to get the term juxt out there because, yeah. damn, I've been using it wrong now. What have you been using? I've been using it if someone gets, like, dropped. Yeah, we'll have to your, listen to the song. Your boy got juxt. I'm not even 100% now that you're... Okay, oh, I'm, I'm skewing your yeah, memory. Yeah, you're skewing I'm, my okay. memory. I haven't used well, that someone, word. Someone will look it up. Yeah. Where's Palisac? We need him um, for that. Yeah, he'd definitely know. Well, I'll chat with him on this show eventually. <laughs> um, let's talk about... Let's get into your high school to UVA. Okay transition because that's where not that your childhood isn't also interesting but where you as a a pro lacrosse player it becomes interesting that you so you committed to to uva in 11th grade yeah so i I, was funny i committed uh november 3rd of my 11th grade year and the Mm -hmm. reason why that date sticks out is because my brother and i are always very competitive and i waited till his birthday to commit so it was like kind of about me which is kind of like really that's ruthless really ruthless (laughs) if you think about it now but like um, you wanted to juxt the spotlight. I ju- I totally juxt the spotlight. <laughs> totally juxt the spotlight for Billy. But wow. Um, yeah. I so I committed November November third of my junior year. Um, after we had a state championship run and we won a state championship uh-huh. as a tenth grader, I kind of got put on the map as like a as a face off guy. They watched me play through the fall, um, and I went on a couple visits. I visited Towson, Syracuse, um, Hofstra, Virginia. Um, probably a couple more Ohio State uh, probably a couple more that I'm not remembering at the moment but um, you know I, I went to all those schools and had a great time at my on my visit at Virginia and you know I remember my host Brian Pomper really made me feel at home and like mm-hmm. this is where I wanted to be and he pretty much sold me on the school ended up going there um, you know oh I played my junior season I was a two-way midi um was an all-county player. I faced off at, I think, 82%. Mm-hmm. So um, how many what, How many points do you have? I think I had my junior season around 55. So you're an, yeah, like yeah. you're an offensive. Yeah, I, I played. Who faces off? Yeah, I played two ways. I mean, my defense was always a little sketch, but like I got back at that point and played uh-huh. defense in my career <laughs> and, and hustled and, you know, made it difficult on guys. So, you know, I, I, I took that part of the game very seriously then. Um, and then I got to, to college and, you know, I was like, I'm never going to be a field player here. Mm -hmm. You know, like the, these guys are the best of the best top recruits in the country. Um, which I'm kind of a little mad about because instead of, you know, looking back, I mean, I was obviously a very immature 18 year old kid who had no idea what the hell to do on his own. Mm -hmm. Um, so, you know, looking back now, like I would have loved to been like oh i'm just a face-off guy you know watch me type of attitude instead of gotcha yeah instead instead of of just yeah falling into line and you know but yeah 
hindsight, you know. Just yeah, yeah, a quick, yeah. Quick thought, but for sure. Yeah. So so going from uh, my junior season, I uh, had a bunch of points, played really well. Um, we lost in the semis. No, the quarterfinals of the county championship. Mm-hmm. So we won one playoff game and then lost to uh, James Pinnell's team, Smithtown West. And he, he, Pinnells. yeah, those Pinnells, man. And he's he was a young gun at this at this mm-hmm. time. I think he played with like the flu, and he was like an eighth grade kid, and like absolutely, um, like put some num- put some uh-huh. serious numbers on yeah. us. But um, yeah, so that was the end of junior year, and then as a senior, my career, you know, is and uh, I've I've had a ton of ups and downs in my career. So this is one of them as a senior. Um, we played our first two non-league games of the season. Like, I'm feeling good, playing well, um, putting up points, winning face-offs. You know, mm-hmm. like, I'm, I'm in pretty good shape. I'm a little heavier now. I've been a little stronger, working out a little bit. And, you know, I get – we have this practice in absolute terrible weather. Um, it's muddy. It's, mm-hmm. like, 35 degrees and raining, muddy, freezing. And I go to dodge on one of my – one of my buddies who's a long stick and I split dodge and he gave me a little bump and I went to go catch myself and I felt my hamstring pop. And I was like, I, you know, like it. So obviously as an eager kid, you want to get back on the field and I never really let myself fully heal. I did the same thing. Yeah. You gotta, I don't want to interrupt your story, but it's almost same timing of my senior year. Yeah. Too. So like I, and I remember, um, like for, I wanted to get back. I really didn't care about the first two games we were playing, you know, two teams that we should have easily just ran through. So, like, the first two games of the season, I was like, all right, yeah, like, I, I have no issue missing those. And then we were playing Shore and Wading River, who is our biggest rival across town. You know, we're always – when I was in school, we were always one and two in the division. So, mm-hmm. it was, like, a fun game to be a part of. A night game, 7.30, under the lights at Rocky Point in front of a ton of people, which was, like – 5,000 people maybe. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I mean, that was always the game that I wanted to play in and I've had success in that game throughout my career. So, I, you know, I wanted to get back for that specific moment. Rushed it. Took the first two face-offs of the game. Um, I think I, I won both face-offs. Went down on a possession. Um, we played an offensive set. I ended up getting an assist, but as I made the pass, I got kind of hit a little bit. Stepped hard, tweaked my hamstring again. Could barely really walk off the field. And I remember, like, sitting with my coach, um, who recently just passed away, um, Mike Bowler. And he had his arm around me, and I was I was in tears on the sideline just because that was a game that, you know, he knew meant the world to me. And I'm good friends with these Shoreham guys. So, you know, I wanted to give you a Rocky Points better, you know, mm-hmm. screw you type. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, it was that was a tough one. And then... I had to sit out half of my 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 senior year because of a hamstring issue, and then I kind of got a little out of shape, but came back to play in the playoffs and had a pretty good playoffs. Uh, we ended up losing to Comswag again in the county semi. I'm in the county quarterfinals, um, so that was a that was a rough go. You never want to lose to Comswag, mm-hmm. never. So well. No. I don't, these are all Suffolk towns. Yeah, I don't even I, know what yeah. the... No, I'm kidding. I know, I know what... You've Com, definitely heard of Comstock. I, I certainly have. There have been some good players from there. Al yeah. Gohard went to Penn. Yep. Um, Al was a beast. But yeah, there's so many just driving through Suffolk. Like, I don't even know these places. I yeah. know every town in Nassau, but... 
Farmingville? What? You guys got Farmingdale, right? So yeah. we have to make a ville and move it out east. <laughs> um, all right, so you, you pull your hamstring. Yep. You And like I said, I did the same thing, so I forgot that we had that in common. Um, I actually sat out for most of my senior year and then only played in the championship game and was just hobbling around. I was pretty useless. I was just decoying picks yeah. and whatnot. Um, so then you go into your freshman year at UVA kind of slightly behind the eight ball because you're... Yeah, I'm, I'm out of shape. Um, I got there a little bit early mm-hmm. um, because I was a transition program kid with a few other of my teammates who went to, to school like pretty much five days after you graduated high school to mm-hmm. you know get ahead in classes. We weren't obviously the strongest classroom guys in our class, so <laughs> you know they, they selected us to go, so... I was there all summer, um, you know, without really any athletic responsibility. And normally during the summer as a kid, you know, you're you're playing lacrosse all summer. So, you know, I didn't have that, that game shape, game mentality all for a whole summer. You know, I was out partying and mm-hmm. exploring Charlottesville and, you know, getting a leg up on people uh, that would be there in, in, in the fall. So I could, you know, know the area and know the territory <laughs> and know where the good places to go were. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. um, you know, obviously <laughs> on hindsight, you know, I was on the pleasure principle there. So uh-huh. I wasn't really thinking of, you know, my team and, you know, if I could help them uh-huh. or if I, you know, or even helping myself, yep. you know, like it, I was, I was thinking that, you know, like, oh, you know, I've never, you know, gone a whole summer without playing lacrosse or like running or, you know, trying to stay in shape. What could go wrong? You know, right? Uh-huh. So well, a, lot, a lot could go wrong in a, in a summer. <laughs> summer. <laughs> as yeah. it turns out. Yeah, as it turns out, well, but... I, was, I was very out of shape. And it, it turns out also that ramen noodles isn't the best thing to eat before you do your 300-yard run test. It's got good electro. Oh, did you? Oh, yeah, dude. It, it was all up. Yeah, it was all, I was all over the turf. Oh, yeah. I think that, again, that was I was known for that in my early college yeah, years. You, was I couldn't. puker? Yeah, I couldn't hold anything down. That and was they, the first time I ever puked from running. Uh, and oh, but it was. <laughs> did you puke after that, though? What do you mean? Like, like, were there other instances in college? Um, no. Oh, because I had multiple in college, and did you? It's nice to say, oh yeah, my stomach gets bad, but no, it just means I'm out of shape. Yeah, <laughs> or at least that's what I thought was going on. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, must have ate some sesame chicken or something. Uh, yeah, you know, the, the night before some Chinese food. Yeah, but, went to Panda Garden last night. Oh, Panda Express. Well, oh, Panda Garden we, is the is the was the UVA spot. Gotcha. That, that and um, raising canes. Oh yeah! Oh yeah! Chicken that's a chicken place. Yeah. If you're listening, my, sponsor me. Yeah, my brother loves that place. <laughs> um, but one thing I love about like yours—that's what you're getting into now. And because I obviously had similar issues, like I didn't yeah. have a good freshman year. I had an injury as a senior. Kind of didn't turn the jets on till like getting my shit together yeah. until going into my sophomore year, and that's a pretty generous estimation, actually. Um, but we'll get, we'll, we'll be generous to myself and say that my sophomore year, I kind of figured out slightly. Um, but you're able to provide kind of that story of getting off the rails a little bit, getting back on in a big way. Yeah. So, I mean, if you're a college kid or going, transitioning into college, best thing you could do for yourself, show up in good shape. Uh Oh, definitely. Yeah. Show up in good shape. Then everything else will kind of take care of itself. Yeah. Um, but another thing I would say, sorry to no, cut you no, off, is good. that because like because you did kind of 
you know, fall off track a bit and then get back on and that's out there and known and yeah. it's part of your identity, you're able to like dive into it in like a big way. Whereas if someone, um, you know, hasn't so publicly, if you will, or owned up to their own, like basically if you mess up a little, mm. you don't have to really talk about it. Yeah. It's like, that's kind of just part of the big, you know, if you mess up, if you have a, a larger botch, yeah. you, you can dive into it. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Because if some guy who's like a real, more straight, narrow history and past, they don't want to talk about, you know, times where something, may, maybe their plan went awry or they misstepped. But A hundred percent. And I think that's what makes my story unique is that mm -hmm. like, you know, for a while I, you know, tried to be secretive about, you know, what was actually going on with, mm -hmm. you know, with me and in school and. You know, and it, it got harder to keep it a secret than it did to talk about it. And mm -hmm. it, it got, you know, on for me, like, I, I I, blamed other people for, like, a couple months after. And I was like, oh, this person is the reason. Oh, this is the reason. And, you know, like, fingers just kept pointing back at me. And I, once I accepted the fact that, you know, all right, I'm a man. I made a mistake. I need to move on. And I need to fix this mistake. Once that happened, it was kind of like... All right, all that like depression and you know like mm -hmm. the, the 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 pent up feelings that you had inside kind of just went away, and mm -hmm. I felt better about it. You know, like the fact that I was able to be honest with myself about, you know, maybe not being mature enough to you know handle that kind of workload. Mm -hmm. yeah. You know, at the time or just you know needing a little extra help and help was always something that um, I was afraid to ask for because mm -hmm. I was I'm you know still I'm a little stubborn. You know, I got this. Mm -hmm. I could, I could do it, you know, like that's, I was always out to try to prove people wrong. And I think that's where this comes full circle again mm -hmm. is because, you know, how I started playing pros was a drunken bet um, mm -hmm. in New York Lizard Stadium. Well, we'll get to that. Yeah. We'll, so, get, we'll get to that. But yeah. Someone telling me I can't beat this guy. I could beat that guy. Exactly. Right, I'll be out there next year. Yes. You which know, is so. that that's like the. Actually, that's not even the end of the circle. That's just the start. That's, that's like the, the val. Yeah. That's the start of the next rise. But yeah, but I mean, for college guys going through some some tough times, you know, you're gonna hit peaks and valleys. Uh -huh. But you know, if you you stay the course, stay on track, stay confident, stay comfortable, you'll be you'll be fine. Mm -hmm. So um, let, let's talk about the well, as specific as you're open to getting with your UVA experience. Yeah. But you went to UVA. You you know you were a pretty highly touted recruit. Your team, you didn't play much as a freshman, but you guys actually won the national championship. Yep. When that season end, like when that season ended, did you were you like, well, I'm gonna play next year? Were you, you know what I mean? Were you still on what you thought was a pretty solid trajectory? Um. Yeah. Definitely. Um. I. You know, I, I had some conversations with with our coaching staff, mm -hmm. and you know, pretty much they had a conversation that. You know, I had with them earlier is if I get in shape, I'm going to be playing because uh -huh. my face off wise or me from a face off perspective, I was doing fine in practice. Uh -huh. You know, like if they're having if they're having like a, a best of battle with all the face off guys, uh -huh. I remember having majority in my corner. Yeah. Um, but co college is, is hard with with that. Right. If a team yeah. has a, a certain mentality or a culture and you're productive, but you don't fall into that. Yeah. Like I played with a guy in college who was, you could score lights out, but he, he kind, just didn't fit. He, yeah. He, he struggled a little bit in the classroom or whatever. So it, it was a hindrance to him. But if it, when we, he did finally get on the field, it was like, Oh my God. Yeah. 
this we've had this guy in, the, in our back pocket. Do you mm-hmm. know what I mean? But yeah. sometimes, so you you probably was it the culture of the team that was? I mean, I love the culture of the team. Uh-huh. I love the guys on the team. Um, love the social aspect of mm-hmm. Virginia. I just so you probably thrived off the field. Oh yeah, off the field, I I loved it. <laughs> like I I I I would say I thrived. You were but, a shining star. But yeah, I mean, my dad told me. You know, as soon as I went to college, you know, party too hard for the first year, the party ends. But mm-hmm. you know, uh-huh. yeah, and it's a good good he, advice. He's like, you get you get your shit done, and you know, you're there for four years. The party continues for four years, and that is wisdom. Yeah, that's yeah. My dad's pretty smart cat. Uh-huh, so yeah, I was. Uh, I didn't take that advice. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you went your own way with yeah, it. Yeah, so I didn't take that advice, and I heard the first thing and ran with it. Uh-huh. Um, uh, but all yeah. you could remember was party too hard. Yeah, yeah. So uh, the, the, I thrived off the field, um, but on the field, obviously, it wasn't wasn't a fit. You know, when I was there, I gave it my all. I gave it everything I had, mm-hmm. and you know, they noticed that. But it was off the field too that I also wasn't putting in everything I had, and you know, mm-hmm. training to be or to reach my potential. And, uh, you know, I, I didn't understand then either. I felt like I was, be, I was a kid being bullied, but they saw potential in me that I didn't see in myself at the time. I was just mm-hmm. like, hey, yeah, you know, I'm going to fit in with these guys. Mm-hmm. This is cool. You know, yeah. going out, partying, being a college kid, you know, this is, I, uh, I, I worried a little bit too much about fitting in, in a social environment than, you know, for the reasons that I was there for. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's a lot of ways to get distracted in Charlottesville, and I found pretty much all of them. So, <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, I'm, I'm. I was. I. You know, some might say I still am a distracted individual. Yeah. Um, but no, that that this again, all part of your story. So when you look back on it, I was going to ask you whether or not you saw, like, how deep your regret is about that, or if you just see it as part of the journey. Like, because say you work hard in college and you become whatever are you you're a different person than you are now your story isn't the interesting one yeah in fact i might not want to talk to you yeah probably, <laughs> probably wouldn't want to talk to you. you know if you're on the straight and narrow uh, i don't really know yeah. but here we are because this is a part of and i'm joking yeah i'm being slightly facetious but <laughs> it is an interesting part of your such an interesting part of your like evolution yeah that do you have a bit of gratitude for it where you're like, you know what, that was the point where I, I, I began climbing this next mountain, yeah. really. So, yeah, honestly, like going back mm-hmm. wouldn't change a thing. You know, I, I made a mistake. It took me a little, I What I would have changed is my, my recovery time in the pickup. Like, mm-hmm. you know, from being down in that ditch to gotcha. starting to climb that hill. Yeah, you spent a lot of time uh, in Yeah, the I spent a lot of time, you know, a couple of years just mm-hmm. down on myself. You know, yeah. like, oh, I let everyone down, you know, type thing. And Yeah, but again, but yeah, it you just know, adds to the folklore of it. And it, it also makes the Tommy Kelly that's in front of you today. Like, I, who knows if things... I, I like to think that if things went absolutely smooth for me and and you know 100% I would be a prick like yeah. I, I don't think I would like myself uh, just you think so, overconfidence or something overconfidence you mm-hmm. know just a cockiness and uh-huh. you know like kind of how I was when I was a little younger had a little swagger uh, to me but yeah like, Ooh, you know, yeah well, that's it, a good self-analysis theory is yeah that like you, you I, who it, knows who knows uh-huh. and you know like if things if things would have gone you know 
as to plan, would yeah. I be in this spot I'm in today? Uh-huh. Who knows? Like, I could have gone all four years at Virginia, and as a junior, this freshman kid comes in who's a stud and plays over me, and mm-hmm. no one ever knows who Tommy Kelly is. Certainly. You know, so it's it's interesting. There's a it lot is. of things that I look at now and while I'm looking back that is the reason I wouldn't change a thing. I, You know, uh-huh. I, I met I met my girlfriend after who's to say that I would have ever met her mm-hmm. if... You know, yeah, yeah, get shit together. Yeah, if I had my shit together and I was still at college and she lived over here, you know, yeah. Like, so it, it and I also tore my Achilles uh-huh. um, during that time period where I was playing at War at the Shore. Uh-huh. Once again, very out of shape. Uh-huh. Um, I was playing at War at the Shore and I was going for a ground ball and you know, like I. I got my heel stepped on and pushed from behind and my toes touched my shin and uh-huh. my Achilles just absolutely blew up. Yeah. So, you know, that was the point where I was just like, shit, I can't walk. So like when I could walk, I was like, damn, I want to run. Yeah. And then when I ran, it's like, I want to sprint. Uh-huh. And then it was like, I want to sprint for as long as I can. And like, it got to a really dumpy 250 pound Tommy Kelly to, you know, actually think what do I want to do mm-hmm. you know like all bets are off now what do you yeah. what do you want with yourself what yeah. do you want your legacy to be so well I don't want you to go too deep into yeah. that because we're going to get to that okay. after your your UVA because okay. there's, there's more good details in yeah. UVA but I think like I said the interesting part about that story with you and with people in general is like no one wants to hear the story of everything going right. Yeah. Right? Like the guy who has his shit together isn't interesting. Um, and so, <laughs> well, it's true. Yeah. But there is a line where if you, you go too far off the rails, you might lose that opportunity to ever do it again. Yeah. Right. So if you spent two more years downing yourself, it would have gotten exponentially harder to make a comeback, right? Your body's just getting older and it's the willpower. Yep. That, that much time away from the game. But it seems like you were, you were away long enough to make your story wildly interesting. Yeah. But not too long as to prevent what you've done afterwards. Yes. Um, I, I mean, it's crazy. I played in that one game in college against Vermont. That's we got to touch on that. Yeah. So, st- g- g- how many face-offs did you uh, take in college? One. And what happened? Got absolutely smoked. It was a uh, cold, cold game in the snow, and I was... <laughs> Once again, not using my brain as an 18-year-old kid that I'm going to be standing outside for an hour and a half in the snow mm-hmm. and wore short sleeve shirt and shorts to the game. Mm-hmm. And uh, with, I think, a minute 20-something in the, in the game left, they we were up a bunch of goals. So they're like, all right, Kelly, go face off. Mm-hmm. And at that point, if you're a face-off guy and you've been sitting the whole game and you, your hands are literally frozen to your stick, you know what the result's going to be as soon as you walk out there. So you're walking out there pretty much just to get pummeled. <laughs> um, and that was my one college face-off. I got smoked forward. Um, I slashed the kid Tommy, yeah, well, who works at String that, now. That's That's one of the other <laughs> legendary full circle things is that the one face-off you lost in college yep. was against, for listeners, his name's Tom Frasca, and he actually was a integral part of designing String King's face-off head. Yes. The, uh, so <laughs> a, a, a mega full circle on that one. Yeah, but I, I'm pretty sure Tom beat me forward. I slashed him in the back of the helmet. Was um, there a flag? Yes, yeah, so there was a flag down. <laughs> and I, I don't even think it went to the flag. I don't think I even had to serve the penalty because uh-huh. I'm pretty sure they scored on that uh-huh. transition oh, okay. they got off the face-off. Yeah. And 
uh, I moped off the field like my goldfish had just died, uh-huh. and that was that was that that was that was it. Well, that's <laughs> that just let like two ends of this. Oh, here's here's one thing I asked: Did, did you ever consider? maybe phrasing your college career slightly differently when someone says like so how'd you do in college you say only only lost one face off and if they don't dig deeper like that guy Tom Kelly you know he only lost one face off in his whole college career what they don't know is that it was the only one you took yeah but if they do do dig deeper (laughs) I look like that the biggest asshole on the planet of course but just ambiguity is your best friend there yeah I guess yeah I only lost one out there for UVA yeah Um, (laughs) but again that is a legendary part of your story is that that, you, you know what I mean? Like, you took one face off and you lost it in bad fashion to, yeah. to the guy who now designed the head. That Probably you, the worst fashion. That you, you Yeah, for yeah. a goal that you use professionally. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was, it, that was in your freshman season. Yeah, that was my freshman season. So, so you came back your fall season at U, or sorry, your sophomore season at UVA, fall semester, and that's when things went you know the yeah. most awry and you ended up leaving midway through or after that semester after that semester okay so I mean it was strictly classroom based issues uh-huh. um, you know lived off campus mm-hmm. was doing extra workouts because I was out of shape mm-hmm. and you know UVA is a big school it's easy to get lost in the crowd mm-hmm. um, so after I did you know extra workouts in the morning before I was supposed to go to class sometimes I would just go back and sleep oh i would i couldn't do like these and this is funny because i get up early now and i i I have to get up early because that's when my mind fires but if i did like if i think we used to have 6 a.m or maybe 6 30 a.m lifts i was dead for the rest of the day it was almost like if you threw off my sleep like that i was just so i guess soft yeah i had to sleep the rest of the day so i ended up you know not necessarily going to a class yeah yeah oh i had one class I, uh, I, I, or no, what happened was I took the final, or I showed up for the final. I think it was a midterm, actually, to be fully honest. But I took the test, and then I probably didn't do well because I, I hadn't gone. And I'm in your boat. I have mm-hmm. some regrets academically. And I walk up to the front, and I hand it to what I thought was the teacher. And the person's like, what? What? I'm like, I'm done. They're like, I'm not the teacher of this class. <laughs> they were like a moderator. Oh so I was like, God. oh, well, that kind of puts me behind the ape. And I had to go and hand it to the, and the professor saw that. So, and I have a number of stories like that yeah. that can verify my, uh, my stupidity, really, in terms of my, how much effort I put into academics. So when you talk about, when you're saying you got distracted, I'm right there with yeah. you. And I, I lived right next to campus so right. I, I, couldn't, I had no I didn't have a geographical excuse yeah, I, I mean I really it. didn't either I had a moped like I had a, everything I need to uh-huh. be successful and just, yeah you know wasn't but well there's one practice actually that sticks out in my mind um oh yeah comes, get into it, yeah, it get comes into from it. uh comes from kind of what you were saying uh-huh. um I'm I'm on this practice face off wise. I'm, he has me playing, you know, in the drills. Dom stars. Yeah. Coach okay. stars. has me, has me playing in the drills and, you know, banging the ball around. We're doing uneven situations and I take a step down and I just sting one. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, it's another unsettled situation to ground ball to play. I remember getting a pass, a skip pass from steel Stanwick, the next play and stepping in and absolutely burying one in the goal. So, 
That's two shots in a row, two goals, and it was a, a three-ball drill. Mm-hmm. So next ball comes in, I scoop it up, nobody plays me. I just step in, fire it, three goals, three shots, and Dom Starzy screams out, Jesus, Tommy Kelly, you would be my favorite player right now, but you slept through your midterm. <laughs> and... and uh, did, wait, did you end up taking the midterm? Yeah, or? I ended up taking it the next day, but I did sleep through my midterm. And he and the coach would hear all about that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I had a few instances like that, too. I took a class with actually my friend from Mount Sinai who okay. I went to school with, and he was supposed to be my eyes and my ears in this class because okay. it was in season. Yeah. And in season, I, I had stuff to do. You know, I got to gotta play. Yeah. You know, that was kind of the... Who was the Mount Sinai guy? Mike Sweeney. Oh, Mike Sweeney. I He's a legend. Yeah. Um, but... He was slightly more academically inclined than me, and he was supposed to be my eyes and my ears. So I said to him, you know, maybe we're 80% of the way through. And I'm like, yo, how's the class going? Like, wh- what's the update? And he's like, oh, yeah, it's nothing other than that midterm paper. All we have is the final. Yeah. Like, a midterm paper? I thought he was messing with me. I'm like, don't, don't tell me. He's like, we had a midterm paper. And he thought I was messing with him. Like, this was, I think I was three weeks <laughs> uh, late. Oh, my God. And this was, I think, spring of my senior year. Okay. A class called Ancient Greek History, I which took, I, now, to me, seems fascinating. Yeah, I took that at my freshman year at Virginia, and they were like, oh, yeah, you're a history guy? Like, this is the hardest class. And uh-huh. I was like, like eyes opened up, and I, I think I got a D in the class. I think that's, I might have gotten the same score yeah. because I had to go to the professor who's like a renowned ancient Greek historian. Yeah. Same. It was and same tell him I missed the paper three weeks ago. He literally didn't get how I could miss it. He, you know, you do the math. And yeah. You say, well, have you been here? Yeah. And I was, you know, distracted with lacrosse. Yeah. And for anyone listening out there who's uh, looking for an academic role model, not us. Don't look at me and Tommy <laughs> in the 2010s. Um, or, your, no, no, no. Mainly that, just college. Yeah, get your get your schoolwork done. Yes, for sure. It's um, important. I'm about to finish now, so. It was, but in my defense, nothing really grabbed me at that time academically, but yeah. lacrosse grabbed me hard. So I, uh, you know, me and my brother always used to say, we're splitting a 2.0. I mean, splitting a 4.0 during, <laughs> during the season. <laughs> um but we both came out perfectly fine, I think. No, you guys are all right. Um, thanks, Tommy. <laughs> um, but, yeah, all right, so you, 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 uh, yeah, we're not, you know, we're doing fine. You leave UVA because yeah. you get into school trouble. What, and then that, that year is what, 2011? Yeah, 2011. So put this in the time frame if you're looking at the timeline. My next competitive lacrosse game wasn't until 2016. Yeah, so that, that this is where it gets really dark. What were you doing during that time? So you, you drop out of school. You initially wanted to get back into school somewhere, right? Yeah, so I mean, I was I was a little a little pissed off at my parents for not giving me an opportunity to right my wrong um, and like go back and prove to them, all right, like. I was just an absolute shithead this semester. You know, I could do this type thing. They're both teachers and, you know, obviously out of state, it's expensive school. Um, and my dad was like, you know, why would I pay this X amount of money for these shit grades? Mm-hmm. And I was like, uh, you know, I didn't quite understand at the time. And now that, you know, I have to make money for a living, I, I, I get it. I, uh-huh. I totally get it. But, you know, I rebelled a little bit and like, 
I was supposed to be taking classes at Suffolk and I was like kind of faking like I was taking classes at Suffolk and mm-hmm. just going and hanging out with my friends and like, you know, really put like this, this what is why I say it gets dark is this is all self-destructive and it's putting me even further behind the eight ball because mm-hmm. now these are all classes that I had signed up for. My parents had paid for them and I just never went. So mm-hmm. like, and they weren't giving me withdrawals because, mm-hmm. or like, you know, never showed. They were just giving me Fs. And I'm like, I thought I would just be withdrew because mm-hmm. I didn't have any attendance record in the class. But they were just giving me Fs. So, like, these are all classes that I had to go back over time because I never fought them until, like, you know, two years later when I wanted to actually get on track. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, so, yeah, I was absolutely destroying my transcript. And, you know, I had to go back and retake all those classes. But, in that time frame, I was working as a bartender at a seafood restaurant mm-hmm. um, called Ocean's Five Seafood. It was in Shoreham Waiting River, mm-hmm. rival town, um, and it was cool. It was it was honestly it was a good experience. But you know that's after working you know restaurant jobs and labor jobs and you know that kind of stuff. You realize the importance of a college degree, and mm-hmm. um, you know it's it's obviously an important certificate to have in your life and you know it gives you that credibility to get it to get a good job that's mm-hmm. going to pay you good money that you're act, you're not killing yourself over so you know I, I enjoyed bartending it was it was fun um you know it, it was uh, uh like a older crowd uh it was mostly shore and lacrosse parents you know would come in and talk to me about my recruiting process and stuff like that mm-hmm. and, you know hang out have a martini or whatever they were drinking yeah. that night and you know, it was it was relatively quiet. It was cool. Um, I did that for probably two years. Mm-hmm. Um, and and going to Suffolk yeah. Community College at the time. Yeah. And bartending, and then well, actually, we should both probably take a second to apologize to our college coaches for being. <laughs> for yeah. Being. Yeah, Coach Stars, if you're if you're listening. Absolutely. Well, it's just hundred percent. It's just running through yeah. my mind that like Coach Andy Shea is probably like, why don't you just basically admitting that you well no it's just we were a little bit misled at the time yeah well dom dom knew dom knew. okay well he, he you knew know. i was just you know i was off the rails at that point yes yeah, i was, I was I'm very I, immature I guess and I'm, didn't realize my own lacrosse potential so sorry for putting you through so much shit <laughs> <laughs> he probably appreciates that he's probably not gonna listen um so I'm, he's, I'm, Andy he's, Shet, he's pretty active. i guess i'm more thinking like on the internet if, if an administrator were to hear this like okay here's a player from the program saying that he didn't go to class i guess we're both just a bad luck but that's okay yeah well i mean this is you know i'm 27 years old and going to class now so it's like there we are yeah so you know full circle close it up okay um but, i'm not taking any classes currently but yeah. I, well, would, you, I would you, like you it. <laughs> um, all right, so you're bartending. Yep. You're go- going to Suffolk Community College, but kind of slacking off a little bit. Yeah. When do you get back into lacrosse? You're out of school for two years before you even get back into coaching. So funny story. I was actually another coach's apology, Brian Brecht. <laughs> I was uh, I was committed to Rutgers for a little while, and you know I was. It was one of those like offers that you know he was my brother's coach in college. So you were gonna go to Rutgers after after you Virginia. Left. Yeah. Oh yeah. He was my brother's coach in college. You know, absolutely phenomenal gentleman, great guy, great coach, turns mm-hmm. programs around. Um, and you know he he knew I was you know down in the dumps and wanted to take care of me. And at that point, I didn't want to take care of myself. So like I I took the offer. Uh, he offered me a scholarship to play at Rutgers, and 
you know, I committed and wanted to play at Rutgers for, you know, a couple of weeks. And then I thought about it and I was like, just really down on the sport of lacrosse. And I was mm-hmm. like, you know what, like, I don't know if this is me anymore. You know, it was a huge part of my life. It made me super upset in the past. Like, do I want to, you know, go through this heartbreak again? Mm-hmm. It was like a bad breakup. And then like, you know, trying to get back out there. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I, I, I was committed to Rutgers and uh, I, I had fully planned on, I'm going like fully planned. And then like, you know, a couple of weeks later I was thinking about it and I'm not a big fan of not earning, but just receiving. And I felt like that's what that was because he was my brother's coach in college. Mm-hmm. You know, I didn't have to earn anything with him. Mm-hmm. Um, he just kind of knew me, knew what type of player I was, knew the type of human being I was and knew the family I came from. Mm-hmm. So, you know, like he knew I was just a kid who was a little lost. Um, and you know, I, I committed and then, I just kind of like cut off communication because I was like, you know, I like I'm I'm in a bad spot. I'm depressed. I don't want to play. Like I don't want to have the stress of possibly, you know, make having another foul up in school and disappointing my parents. And like there was just like a, a absolute rush of emotions uh-huh. in that period of time where I was just like, shit. Like is this is this what I want to do? I know this is a good thing for me, but. You know, there's all these what ifs yeah, in my cloud was yeah, still in my mind. So that that dark cloud was still lingering mm-hmm. somewhere behind my head, mm-hmm. and um, yeah, like I just I had to I had to take a step back and just and just try to find out who I was. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I I also considered going to to Salisbury because that was a school that um, I felt. No one would know who I was there. And this was way after the fact. So, like, you know, if I went there and played well, um, I would ultimately, you know, create my own story. Again. Yeah. You know, like, find mm-hmm. my, my way on the team. I went and visited, you know, liked all the guys on the team. Just, like, kind of didn't feel it was for me mm-hmm. when I left. Like, it yeah. wasn't that same feeling I had when I was at UVA. Mm-hmm. So, it was, like... It's like, there was a lot. There was a lot of things, a lot of emotions, you know, the ups and downs, the peaks mm-hmm. and valleys. And, so what what, you know. what year did you start coaching again? Coaching face-offs? Yeah. All right. So I, I, this probably all happened between the years of 2011 when I left UVA, obviously, mm-hmm. and 2013. Um, so... It was funny. Like, I, I, I was... Oops, sorry. I wasn't... <laughs> I wasn't uh, really coaching or doing much or, you know, and, um, there's, there's a little, a little kid who he's not really little anymore. I'll give him a shout out. He's committed to Duke now. Mm-hmm. Um, Andrew McAdory is like a little guy. He was like a little brother to me. He, he would always follow me around and, and, you know, like when I was in high school, I was a senior in high school and he was like a little kid, like a little kid. And he would follow Rocky point around and, you know, he was a face off guy who played two way midfield. So he was a fan of me and, he used to come to all my games and, you know, he was like, he was like the little, the little guy, mm-hmm. you know, so like, prodigy. yeah, the little prodigy. And he was facing off at Chami's clinics from, you know, when I was there facing off at Chami's clinics, he was like literally mm-hmm. a bobblehead taking face off. Mm-hmm. And Chami is Matt Chomber. Yeah. Sh- was, Matt Chomber, absolute legend. Yeah. Australian face off guy who played at Adelphi. Right? Yeah. Played at Adelphi and I think he played in three world games too. And I know he was first team all world yeah. as a face off guy. So. For anyone listening that didn't know, and you're connected with him. And he's a lefty attackman. You didn't know that? 
Really? He faced off and played left of the attack. Oh, I didn't know that. That's that's super legend. Yeah. Shoot. Maybe I did know that, but yeah. it slipped my mind. Because... I played an over 40 game with him one time. Not over 40. Uh-huh. Just saying. You just snuck in? Yeah, I just snuck in, and I think the guy had 15 assists. Yeah. He's well, yeah, I think he's so legendary as a human that I just didn't really care what I don't think anyone on wants to beat on him either. They're just like, oh, Sean's yeah. a great guy. Yeah. <laughs> 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 but anyway, getting back to Andrew McIndory, he I... Uh, his dad texted me after I had been home for a little while um, and was like, hey, like, we want to get you back to, to working with Andrew. And I've never even told them this, so if they're listening, this is the first time they'll hear it. But, like, you know, it was at that point where I was like, you know what? Andrew's like a little brother to me. I don't want to set the wrong example and just kind of sh- shut him out of my life. And, you know, um, so I, I decided, I was like, all right, yeah, like, I'm going to get back into it start coaching. So I was doing like lessons here and there. And mm-hmm. then, uh, I called Shami and I was like, Hey dude, like kind of in a rough spot. Like if you need any help, you know, let me know. And Shami is also like my second father. Who's mm-hmm. a, a guy who's always had my back and always been there for me when I needed him. So going through this, you know, we've, we've talked a bunch. He knows what's going on in my life. So he wants to help me out, brings me down, you know, starts, having me help him out, help out at his clinics and mm-hmm. stuff. And, you know, after that, like, I think it was like the third time I went, I had a smile on my face the whole time and I hadn't been smiling much. And that's one thing that I try to focus on now is that I always have a smile on my face because mm-hmm. I remember those dark times where it was almost impossible to smile and those sucked. So mm-hmm. we're not getting back. We're not going back. There. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I had a smile on my face the whole time and I left like the happiest kid I've ever, I've ever been like, and I was just like, all right, like, this is what this is what fuels my engine, you know. Like uh-huh. this is, this is something I enjoy. It's a passion of mine, and it's something that you know I'm very good at. So, mm-hmm. and this was face off specific. Yeah, this coaching. was face off specific mm-hmm. coaching. Um, so yeah, it was just like it, it was an absolute turnaround, eye opener. Like mm-hmm. I figured, you know, like screw lacrosse. I don't want to be a part of it anymore. And then, you know, like had that mindset for a year or two, and then you know, it, it just completely blew up in my face and opened up my eyes and made me realize something that I really, truly enjoy. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, that was, that was kind of getting out of the gutter. So yeah. I, 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 I credit that to my parents and Shami and, you know, all the positive people in my life that just like kind of didn't let me quit on myself, uh-huh. you know? And like my girlfriend was a huge motivator too. Like, like I said, I, I, I don't take challenge as well. Um, and like, I talked to her after I went to that MLL game and she said, yeah, we all peaked in high school. And I was like, all right, that's it. Like, <laughs> no, we, no, we did it. We so, did it. Yeah. yeah. So let's get into that. Let's get into your coaching, yeah. you know, 2000, between 2011 and 2015. Yeah. You're coaching and doing face-off specific coaching and you're involved in the sport and you're getting joy from teaching it. Yeah. But you're also aware in the back of your mind that you're pretty damn good at playing it. And Sham Schomburg, who you mm-hmm. you know we've been talking about, also recognized that in you, right? Yeah. So we had we did a college clinic where it's just all college division one through three recruits that mm-hmm. you know are either committed to play at those schools or are already at those schools, and we have a bunch of you know, coaches, well, we invite kids that are, you know, a little bit younger that could compete. So like Mm -hmm. coaches could scout them and there were a bunch of college coaches there and they were looking through the room. And one of my buddies, Tyler Grinelli, who's now the face-off coach at Jacksonville, 
he was at Salisbury at the time. And it's like, TK, get your gloves on. Let's see. Let's see what these kids got, you know, like, and I think I probably took 80 face-offs that day. And I don't think I lost one. So uh, you were just smoking college kids. Yeah. And getting prospects. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And like, he, which for who you are now doesn't seem as, you know, surprising. as impressive, but yeah. for what you were then, I think it, it showed like, Oh shoot. Yeah. I'm, I'm still pretty damn good at this. Yeah. So, and the cool part about that was like when I was getting back into coaching, I wasn't that good. Like I, I, Oh, so was there a bit of a oh, there was learning a huge, curve there? was there? a huge drop off. Uh-huh. Like I got heavy. I used to face off standing up. Uh-huh. Always. I stood up. I was motorcycle grip. Mm-hmm. Um, I got a little bit heavier, obviously from not playing. Mm-hmm. And that's when I dropped down to a knee. So I had to like pretty, not relearn how to face off, but like change and tweak a bunch of things because I was doing it differently than uh-huh. I was used to. Um, and you know, I, I, I just like remember getting beat by like eighth graders at like, <laughs> yeah, eighth, those damn eighth graders. Yeah. But those middle school kids at, were just yeah. dicing you. Oh my God. Yeah. Like my first day back in Xiaomi is like. You know, Xiaomi's giving me shit. Like, yeah, like, ah, you haven't touched a stick in years. Yeah, you know, like he's trying to just, beat him. Yeah, he's just absolutely chirping me, and I'm just like, all right, like you know, this is what he used to do to motivate me. He put a smile on my face, and mm-hmm. you know, I actually went home after the, my first clinic and like did face off reps in my garage. That is phenomenal. Because I was like, so you I lost saw- a bunch of times <laughs> yeah. to eighth, seventh, and eighth graders, yep. and you that that was like the spark. Oh yeah, that was. That was the spark, like, and I, I mean, I don't really know how many times I lost, but I lost uh-huh. enough. But that just the it, fact, yeah, that yeah. It, that it rattled me, like, yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, that's when I figured it was time to, you know, put the put the pedal to the floor uh-huh. and, and just go full speed ahead. And, and then what? You you got oh, like you improved over the course of a, a year oh, or two yeah. or three, and then what? What was the moment that it's like you're gonna try to go into the MLO? Well, when my college eligibility ran out. Oh yeah. Yeah. Okay. So. That's when is I looked into it and like clearinghouse D one D two D three like is it like five years yeah or something? like I was I was done mm-hmm. so like you know lacrosse isn't paying for school anymore but now it's lacrosse is kind of paying for school so mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> yeah so yeah. like um, I had to find you know other means of of playing and um, I remember Shami asking me he's like you have any thought of playing like in the pros and. Um, I was like, nah, like, nah, I haven't, you know, I'd never really, never really thought about it. But, uh, there was one of my, so I worked out all through college and high school. Like even in college when I was facing off and wasn't playing, I worked out with Brendan Fowler and, and, um, you know, Dylan Levings mm-hmm. and Charlie Rafa. And, and these like, are top fit. Uh, uh, yeah. And, at, at the, at the time in division one lacrosse, all three of them were all American. So mm-hmm. it's like, all right, I'm getting great competition. Um, and I remember Shami getting me and Levings together for, you know, a while and Levings is one of the greatest guys I know. Yeah. He's, so I went to college with yeah. him and he's, uh, we call him Barney Rubble, yeah. but he's all time. I, I thought of him as professor Crocker from the fairly odd parents. Uh, I don't know the, I don't know the cartoon. reference, but yeah, it's cartoon. You, if you see it, but either way, both nicknames yeah. were cartoon based. Yeah. If so. you see it, you'll know. <laughs> he's but, probably Barney yeah, so, so Dylan Levings was was an, an incredible faceoff guy. He's scrappy. He was one of the all time just scrappers. Uh-huh. Um, and he was he had quick hands too. So like he was he was a really good test of of where I was at. And Shami got us together, 
Um, Dylan was going into his first season as a Baltimore. Um, was it Baltimore Bayhawks? No, it was. I think he played for Ohio. He played for Ohio oh, one year, on second season. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So he was on Ch- Chesapeake his second season, and he was going into training camp. Um, or like before training camp and the supplemental draft hadn't happened yet. So mm-hmm. like Shami's like, all right, like let's get you two together and you know, we'll get, get some reps, get some reps, get some film, see who's, you know, doing well. And I remember I, I faced off lights out that day, mm-hmm. like lights out. And Dylan was like, is this like the best you felt in your whole career? And I was like, honestly, yeah. And he's like, cause you look it. And I was like, Thank you. Like that, that meant the world to me. Like yeah. just that compliment from a guy who, you know, has already achieved the things I wanted to go to a college and achieve mm-hmm. was like the ultimate compliment. And, um, you know, I always wanted to play against Dylan in a game because uh-huh. we just used to beat the shit out yeah. of each other for, for hours. I like, I used to leave bleeding all the time. Like he was just all over the place. Mm-hmm. Um, I might have to call him now so I can work on my exits a little bit. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Chase me around for a while. But, um, but yeah, it was it was a battle. Um, I ended up winning the battle, and uh, Shami reached out to all the GMs and was like, you need to take this guy. Mm-hmm. And then Denver was – I think Denver and Atlanta said that – because Ryan Tucker was one of my teammates, mm-hmm. and his dad was the coach of Atlanta at the time. Um, and it was like, it was between Denver and Atlanta. Um, and I think Denver took it more serious because they called Tyler Grinelli and was like, have you seen this kid face off? Like he played with Bocklet and he, Grinelli was like, take him and mm-hmm. take him early. And so that, this was MLL season. What year? Was it 2016 when we won? That's so the first time you tried out, you made it. Yeah. Okay. So that's t- 2016, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Well, didn't you guys win in 17? No, we lost to Ohio in the. Cha- oh yeah. The okay. So you beat Ohio in 16 in yeah. the rain. And then lost to them 17. Okay. In the so the, your first year back into the MLL, you make the Denver Outlaws and yep. win the championship. Yeah. So. And, and then the second year went to the championship and lost. That's pretty solid that you only did one year of college, won the ch- national championship, and then your first year of the MLL won a national championship. Yeah. I mean, that's. I mean, I'm sure there's a short list of guys who've who've done that. Yeah. This is something that I've talked to you before about, which is the faceoff position is interesting, and in a way, it's it's like goalkeeping. Um, it's very objective in terms of performance. And yeah. It's becoming a little bit less so when you have you know, say you have Trevor Baptiste. Mm-hmm. And it's like, okay, say his percentage was slightly less than someone, but he's putting in a couple goals, he's getting a couple of assists. Yeah. It's like so guys who are who are putting in points are you know, they're they're they buy themselves a little bit of wiggle room to get a lower percentage. Yeah. But in terms of percentage, like you said, you were the top guy in the you went three, two, one. You were number one percentage in the MLL in two thousand eighteen. How'd yeah. you do this past season? This season wasn't one of my best years. Uh-huh. Um, did we, I think I was like 52%. Okay. So you know, like, or, or somewhere around there, maybe a little lower, maybe a little higher, give or take. But uh-huh. um, it was a, but, it was an adjustment. So, yeah. so here's a question. Do you, no, do you notice even any, did you notice that you got more credit in 2018 than you did now? Or do you feel like you're one of those like not in the spotlight face off guys who 
doesn't really like even if you got a higher percentage by a little bit more. Yeah. You st- there's there's a the whole social media thing, the mm-hmm. whole it happens with every position, yeah. but like it's just most interesting with faceoffs because you look at it and it's like I have a higher percentage. Yeah. But it's like no, he's the best. It's like well, we our job's to get the ball. Yeah. And like I said, points conflate like points can make that a little murky. Yeah. Um but percentage and ground ball, mainly percentage. Yeah. What's your, what's your take on that? Do you just I mean, I like thinking back at it in 2018, like I, I don't think I I even got mentioned. I wasn't mm-hmm. an all-star, you uh-huh. know, like so you weren't an all-star, but no. you led the league percentage-wise. Yeah. Okay. I also awesome. played. I also played one more game than everybody else. But is that so? That's in your favor. You're saying. No, that's, oh. Yeah. Gotcha. I think I was like a hundred face-offs more than the next guy under me because uh-huh. yeah, I played for two very high-powered offenses that we would put up a uh-huh. lot of goals and uh-huh. then we would let up a lot of goals. So gotcha. You know, I took a ton of face-offs and. Um, played actually an extra game because I got oh but I meant like is that that's more impressive or yeah I mean I would say so because it's, it's more more tense. grind yeah, more it's, grind it's more yeah tense. and more you know you're proving yourself yeah. if I beat you once in your backyard I yeah. can't go around telling Sam I'm better than Tom well you can, can. <laughs> you can. people do um, but yeah you, you've always you, you, not that you've struck me as a guy who's doesn't get the credit he deserves yeah I mean I'm you just, just you just don't yeah I'm just one I guess like my story hasn't really been blown up yet. Mm-hmm. Like people don't really, people haven't really cared to know what, but w- the making definitely. Of, but you're of also not. I'm also not throwing it out there. Yeah, and you're also not that like. It's not like you're not on social media, but you're not like lacrosse is a sport where you need to build your brand yeah. if you want recognition, and that then that recognition feeds into people saying he's the best. Like, yeah. well, he's good, but yeah. there's more to the picture. Yeah. You're not so gung ho about maybe convincing people you're the best on the internet. I mean, the way I look at it is, I like to think that a lot of the professionals that I go against, mm-hmm. um, you know, I like to think that they think I'm one of the best guys. Gotcha. So you know, like if I have the respect of them, yeah, I don't need anybody else's respect. Definitely. You know, I don't. I don't care what Jimmy's mom, who lives five. Uh-huh. Five houses down the road has to say about you know who's better than I am. Yeah, you know, I mean you because... don't even have a lot of Instagram followers. There's no way you're good at lacrosse. No, nah, I saw. <laughs> so it's like, yeah. So, but like, social media is something that I'm learning about. And yeah, I'm yeah, yeah. Trying, but to... you're doing. So I don't want you to go in the other direction because that's not who you are, right? No. You're you're yeah. you're saying you're learning about social media, meaning put yourself out there, but don't be someone who you're not for the sake of trying to convince people that you're. You know the best plot, the best face-off guy. Yeah, right? I'm not gonna try to do backflips off my patio for a dope Instagram video. Yeah, you know, but like... just all of that. There's a line between where it becomes. Which is it for? Right? Is it for your brand? Like it? Yeah. There's a skewing of the line between I know this person and why is he p- putting up this video? Yeah. Or or picture. And you're someone who I know you, and nothing that you put online speak like that's who you are. Yeah. Right, you're not doing stuff where I'm like Tom, or I have to text you and be like Tom, you get hacked. Like, what, yeah. what's this hashtag? But and that's like yeah. one of the the best parts about you is that you're, I mean, I would call it very unassuming mm-hmm. and humble, and maybe that's the the dark side of it is you would have to become someone that you're not to really 
get the credit you deserve. Well, I mean, we'll see. We'll, well t- yeah. I'm going to I'm going to still try this route. I'm going to try to build it as, you know, this is me. You, you know what? love me or hate me. I or... take that back because if you come out and for a couple seasons you're number 1 in the PLL. Yeah. The PLL has a new exposure oh, their to where incredible. they'll tell your story. Yeah. Um so I I'm kind of speaking from your start in the MLL to now. Yeah. So and you said you you had a tough time this season. So yeah, I mean, not necessarily clamp wise. Like uh-huh. I, I, you know what? I'm gonna be a little cocky right now. I'm gonna go out there and I'm gonna say I'm the best clamper on earth. Oh wow! Yeah, on earth. On earth. Not the universe. They're not. You think they're playing on other planets? Yeah, maybe. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not going <laughs> against the jump, Martians. Just jump He's to probably, universe. Just jump to universe. No, nah, but I I feel that if you know any professional. Uh-huh. I mean, I'm not calling names out or calling people out, uh-huh. but like, I feel, I feel like if you asked a professional face-off guy, mm-hmm. who's the toughest guy to beat in a clamp or a tie-up? I would like to think that answer is me. Gotcha. And so, and so you'll beat someone in a clamp, but then they'll get the ground ball. Yeah, or I'll I'll do a shitty job exiting out, mm-hmm. and like that's what this year was because for me, I'm used to throwing the ball to a spot and going and getting it, mm-hmm. but with you know, five yards on each side taken off of a wing play. It's gotten um, a little tight. It's gotten very tight. So, like, everything has to be to perfection. And that was one thing that I didn't really work on in mm-hmm. the off season because I was just like, all right, I didn't read up on the specs of the field. And uh-huh. I was like, yeah. oh, shit, showed up to training camp. Feels a little narrower. Boys, like, uh-huh. they do a terrible job painting these. And they're like, oh, no, like, you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You, you didn't read the rule book, Tom? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> You know, I read the face-off part, but... So that's a... I mean, does it go without saying that that's a... Uh, has been a focus for you headed into the next season? Oh, yeah. You need to oh, yeah. make so, your technique... So my focus is going into next season or, or exiting, obviously, and then um, just getting in, in better shape. So I've been working with the guy, Justin Cull. He's mm-hmm. uh, he's my strength and agility coach and, and speed trainer, and he... Is he, he the one that I met? He's a long-haired guy. Oh, no. I met the guy who owns the little gym over here. Oh, no. That's Ed. Oh, okay. That's a, that's another guy. I, that's where I get my meathead lifts in. Yeah, you got your picture on his wall. He's yeah. Got a, you're on his wall of fame. Yeah, so that's where I get my meathead lifts in. But mm-hmm. when I'm when I'm with uh, Justin, he's just he's like... He's the speed guy. Yeah, he's the speed guy. And, you know, he, he works with all the good top recruits and college kids. And, and like, I enjoy working out with him. He, mm-hmm. he just absolutely crushes me. And, like, we laugh the whole time. And we're just... He's another relatable guy that, you know, I'm just like, all right, you know, he has my best in, in, in his interest and, you know, he wants me to reach my max potential. Uh-huh. So, you know, I had trouble because I was a little heavier and not as strong in in the legs getting out of my stance. So, mm-hmm. like, there'd be times where I absolutely smoke somebody on a face-off, push it forward, and I'm just slow to spring up at, to my feet and they mm-hmm. beat me to the ball. So, like... I had a lot of controlled losses, as Coach Towers would call them, where it's like, all right, I controlled the faceoff. We just did, them. yeah, we just didn't get the ground ball. But you know, like if you turn half of those around, I'm at you know, a high percent. I'm at like seventy percent. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, so it's mainly being more mobile mm-hmm. and putting the ball in the right spot after the faceoff. Doing a better job and just not panicking while I'm down there. Uh-huh. You know, like who cares? Yeah. Now every game's on NBC. Like I, yeah, yeah, I was, yeah. that was a huge thing for me. Oh, like, you were nervous. It's like shit, man. Like I'm uh-huh. playing on fucking TV. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like, I was like, I always upset to people in this the past. Is, this is crazy. Like I, I remember and like I, before my, 
my Outlaws games. And uh-huh. like, I was just like, loose, uh, loose as anything. Dude, I just did, you know, like, I was like, all right, whatever. That's like, what I was going to say. And then all of a sudden, it's like these big ass cameras when I'm walking out. And I'm like, uh, what is it? The, the Sky Cam? Yeah. Because like, in the MLL, let's be honest, it was yeah. like before a game, and I don't want to. I think that that lack of exposure just brought, you know, it's not as competitive because yeah. you're like, you know, when it's a show, yeah, it's a show, yeah. right? Let's go. Um, it, it brings out the fire. And the MLL would be like, I wonder if my parents are even watching this one. Yeah, like, <laughs> my parents are out at dinner. Like, they don't. They, it it is know. true. Yeah, like, so, it, I mean, it was. It was cool. Like, uh-huh. It was it was cool, and but it also made me learn something about myself. Like mm-hmm. I have to relax myself deal, and deal calm my stage. anxieties, uh-huh. otherwise I'm not going to perform to my best. And say I do win a clamp, mm-hmm. I'm not gonna have the the control in my mind to be like, "Here's the move. This yeah. is this is the operation. I'm going to get my head up. I'm going to find the space. I'm going to pinch the ball. I'm going to get it there, and then I'm going to exactly. get it." It's just kind of like get it out. Get it out. Yes. You know, it's like frantic. It, yeah, and that's what it was. Like I was a little frantic this year. I was playing with some new guys that mm-hmm. you know I didn't really quite develop that chemistry with it at training camp, but uh-huh. like it was getting there. Mm-hmm. And then it got to a point where I just I was frustrated in myself. So like I had like a little dip, mm-hmm. and then the end of the season had a couple good games, um, and then you know just kind of like reassured myself. All right, I'm, I'm meant to be here. Uh-huh. You know? Like yeah, I I was. I think in total numbers of faceoffs one. I think I was number two in the league, mm-hmm. um, but percentage wise, I think I was number four or five. Mm-hmm. Um, so kick. next season, you gotta turn the put the pedal to the metal. Oh yeah, well I mean, I, otherwise that, that started before my the USA event. Mm-hmm. Um, that was like a huge, you know, a huge thing that I wanted to be able to be explosive uh-huh. out of my stance and and in better condition that I could, you know face off late into the mm-hmm. fourth quarter and in overtime and it not even be a second thought in my head like oh, I'm winded well those are all right, so just to get back to your state of mind typically on a face off yeah. are you jacked up or are you in the calm state calm okay we'll, we'll, we'll just leave that where it is because yeah. I think that's what I'm, that's the answer I've gotten from most guys and yeah. that's uh, I don't know I guess for a minute I thought maybe it would be different for face off guys because yeah. you're about to like wrestle out there and whatnot, but I, honestly I have a switch that like not many people have, but I could just make this thing go blank. Mm-hmm. Like my brain, I could make my brain go blank, and the only I thing... feel like you could also go in the other way and maybe kill a human. <laughs> well, my shirt does say that. Yeah, but... Well, I just mean you, if you turned it on, you, your hands—you have gorilla hands that are just large. Yeah. You actually I... remember I broke out down at the convention. You were holding me. No. It, it... <laughs> no. That was a fun time. Um, but. Yeah, so that's the answer I've gotten from most people is just that yeah. blank mind. Um, and I don't know why I thought it would be any different. He, uh, who, if you weren't playing, consider yourself non-existent, is okay. the best face-off guy in the game. You know what? This is a tough question because, mm-hmm. like... Well, that's why I threw it out there. Because yeah, you're going to... These are all my friends. You're going to make, gonna gonna make 12 enemies and one friend. I'm going <laughs> to piss somebody off. Yeah, certainly. So... Um, but you could don't give me any political. I want to hear one name. One name. I'm give it to Trevor. Yeah, I, I think. Let me give it to Trevor. I think if you were like cons- Nard's, Nard's a close second. He's my boy. Trevor's a good friend of mine. But too. you got to bring the NLL in. Yeah, well, they're both in the NLL. I know, but Trevor's pumping out goals and. Yeah. I think just what he's doing in the NLL just this year 
compared to any other guy mm-hmm. makes it like wow that that's very impressive and it's it's a good but if you're back in the mix yeah do you vote yourself we have to <laughs> You have to, you have to bet on yourself because if you're not betting on yourself, no one's betting on you. Because if you go into the if the face off with an attitude, all right, this guy's better than me. You're gonna get freaking scraped oh, the I've whole got, game. I've gotten that. I asked Glick, uh, yeah. Mark Lasini on this podcast, who was the best midi, and he didn't. I don't think he really hesitated. He just said me. Yeah. And same type of deal. If well, you don't it's bet a type on yourself, a personality. You so, know, well, it's, it's it's what you, it's a prerequisite for being yeah. good. Um, and I think even more so. Well, dmidi's a lot like face-off where it's yeah. like you got your match up if he scores it's your fault well there's more of a there's more of a team component where you can hide a little bit more on D-Midi definitely there's no hiding no, you're in the middle of the field it's you versus the other guy and if the other guy is beating you I you're know. going out well, there and taking that spanking every that's time. why you see that a lot of those mental crumbles if I'm a face-off guy yeah. where it's like once it starts to go south like this is gonna be this is gonna be bad <laughs> yeah um how about what's your take on this whole thing okay Face-off guys get a lot of shit. Mm-hmm. Kind of like D-Middies. I don't know why the face-off guys are like, you know, people give us a hard time. D-Middies get a hard time, too, jokingly, right? Yeah. Both of them are crucial positions. Yeah. And um, I don't know who said it, but... Well, well, why do you think face-off guys traditionally have gotten a hard time? Drill killers. That's the reason, right? So that and you you don't fall into you have a good stick. You yeah. can rip the ball. I could catch. I could shoot. I could make good passes. But like, you've killed a few drills or what? Oh uh, yeah, definitely <laughs> killed many drills. You but know, I, like when you're using a stick that looks like it's been your mom like ran it over with her car seven times and then handed it to you and it's like here you go, Jimmy. Here's your new stick. Exactly. It's tough. Like it. Like if I would like to see a guy who gives himself the clout of being a stud on offense, pick up one of our sticks and, and try to play a shift. I guarantee he'll drop five passes. Definitely. But let's be I just want to be clear about what I'm saying here is that that is the reason that faceoff guys sometimes get a hard time. But yeah. If you're not one of those guys, if you're a player who's like more mobile and like Trevor Baptiste is a great example. Yeah. He's got I went to the Philadelphia Wings game and he I think he had he had at least one goal, maybe two. Yeah, I was there too. That was a good but yeah, oh yeah, we're both at the game. And like he has, like no one is giving that kid a hard time, right? No. It's not like, and that's why he's a like a big face in the sport mm-hmm. because the kid can ball, like he yeah. can play. So and the re- I, I just don't like when people think that the reason is because the face off isn't, you know, a real position and we should get rid of it. I'm kind of apathetic on the whole. Should we get rid of the faceoff? Yeah. Should we not? If you have a player, like, don't even ask me. Yeah, if you have a player who can do it all, no one's giving a hard time for taking right. faceoff. And the only people are complaining are the people that don't have guys. That, bingo. Yeah, exactly. So it's like it's like all right, like you're just gonna whine and bitch about it instead of going out and getting a guy. Yes, but I oh I thought you meant that too. It's, yeah. yeah. If you you don't have a faceoff guy, you're complaining about the faceoff. But yeah. I'm saying the people who are saying. You know, face-off guys get a hard time, like, for no reason and whatever. The, the, the reason that you're getting a hard time is because you're a drill killer and or you can't catch or you're too specialized. Yeah. Right? And the, I feel like the game is changing to where more and more guys are being able to do it all. And I think that you'll never have a guy who's, like, you'll, there never won't be room for a super, super specialized, win every clamp, can't even cradle face-off guy. Yeah. Like there, well, there's no room for that anymore. No, but I don't think they'll die out. I think you can still, if you can win the clamp, yeah. 
Like T.D. Erlin, but he can also play. But yeah. t- take T.D. Erlin's non-at-the-X skills away. All he can do is clamp it and get it to himself. He's still up there with the best guys. You just yeah. get it to an attackman, get it to a guy. Yeah. So I don't think it's gonna that's gonna die, but I think just the higher percentage is gonna be these it's more be skilled players. Yeah, which I talked. Well, to at the upper levels, it's gonna be skilled players that can do both. Definitely, especially with the new Olympics, where the faceoff is so secondary. Oh, it's super secondary. What's what's your? But I guess to sum you sum that up, you don't feel like you've been discriminated as a faceoff guy, or discriminated. You've um, been no. ostracized. No. And, um, like, because I, I'm not shooting the ball, uh-huh. like, and it's going out on, you know, the sideline. If like, you come down and you're doing a drill and I'm like, Tommy, get the hell out of here. Do you take that joke kindly or are you like, screw this guy, I'm going to try to bury a shot? Are you... The second one. And then I'll yeah. have words with you. Oh, okay. Time. No. But you're, <laughs> you're, you, t- you would take it in stride with a chuckle. Yeah, I would, would, I would most of the time I'd laugh at it, and then I would like say something back to you, like beat a, me up after a chirp, maybe, but maybe get aggressive. But the reason that it doesn't hit you as hard is because you actually don't kill them in drills. No. but I guess I feel I just feel like if you're a guy who's a drill killer and you're not that skilled as a faceoff guy, you have to be, you have to take a, a humorous approach to when guys are giving a hard time. Yeah, because it's like, listen, what you're working on up there. Constant whistles and faceoffs. I've, it, it's. I'll never. It'll never be a part of my lacrosse existence. Yeah. It's so specialized. But if you go and you, that's your job, but you also come down and you can do some of the stuff that other players do, no one's going to give you a hard time. Yeah. Now, if I'm a crease finisher, which I was, yeah. and I can't do anything else, people give me a hard time, which they did. But I never said, "Oh, these guys are giving me a hard time." Because yeah. all I can do is catch. You just shoot. laugh about it, and then you throw them a chirp later. And Definitely, then, but I it. I like, take it in stride because it's. Absolutely valid. Yeah. Okay. I, knew, I figured that would be your approach. Yeah. I mean, uh, there are some definitely some face-off guys that are drill killers. Do I consider myself one of mm-hmm. them? Um, depends on the day. <laughs> depends on the day. Uh, like there would be some days and um, that you know you're just not seeing the ball well, and uh-huh. you know your stick's super crooked to the left or whatever, and you know it's sure. Yeah, it's tough. But, but like most I would say most days not a drill. Uh-huh. No, not in the grand scheme of face-off guys that I've played with, you're you're a Tawarton winner. <laughs> like you've got some guys who it's like don't do the drill. Yeah. Because you know, there's going to be no scenario in a game where we're going to want you to go to the net. Could they're, be a breakaway. You're, you're getting gonna... the youth league bottom hand cradle going. Exactly. And, you yeah. Know, like they haven't cradled the in a couple years. Yeah. Um, but yeah, my point, my main point was just that face-off guys get a hard time because of that and not because like, you know, we think they're cheaters or yeah. like if you can find a way, a new little rule thing that you can manipulate and facing off, you know, it, or time the whistle, isn't that kind of cheating? Yeah. Well, like, you know, like if someone calls you a cheater and you know, like it's like, it's a tough thing because you know, I've been called, oh, you lean, you cheat, but isn't you time tough? up whistles. It's like, that's our... That's our position. Like, if they're giving me that, exactly. like, then why timing, would why wouldn't I take that? Well, if you told me that, like, listen, I'm not going to time up any whistles, and I would be like, well, well what the hell are you doing out here? I, yeah, I don't yeah. think that that's cheating. I yeah. think that that's instinct and knowing the game, right? And, and, like, people are just like, oh, he's just a whistle timer. There's a lot that goes into that, like, that people don't understand. Like, you have to, you have to be really smart to break down the referee's cadence in your head and 
and like mash that into concrete and mm-hmm. just make sure that all right i'm on this whistle like i'm i'm gonna hit this whistle every time and then like also the adjusting factors like all right there's another referee coming in like mm-hmm. it's i i just think people make too many excuses well, not to mention, if you go early, it's a violation. It's a violation. So if you so time like, the whistle no, yeah. perfect, imagine a sprinter who moves at the exact moment that the gun gets blasted. To me, that's the best sprinter. That's yeah. not he timed the because if you do that too consistently and it's genuinely poorly timed, you'll jump the you'll violate. Oh, 100 percent. So I don't know. I, yeah, I just, like some a face-off guy saying he's never cheated a day in his life is like me telling you, or like anyone telling you, I've never driven over the speed limit. Yeah, it's preposterous. Yeah, it's like not only are you lying, but like it's part of the, what the well, cheating is not. It's just yeah. that there are, are tricks that you can use to get advantage, and I don't consider that at all. Like if a face-off guy was like, "Yeah, I know this guy's cadence, so I'm hitting the whistle right on." Yeah. I wouldn't be like, this guy's a damn cheater. I'd say, this guy's a savvy vet. Yeah. And that whole aspect of facing off has nothing to do with why face-off guys have, get a, a hard time. Well, it's... It's it's, yeah. it's because yeah. of the drug killer. I, I don't want beat to a, beat a dead horse because we're, we're over that. But yeah, you're, you're bullying us over here. To wrap, to wrap this up, um, I want to say it's been an honor to, yeah. to... Like I said, I couldn't find a Tommy Kelly interview on the internet. This is the first one? So, yeah, you did you know a few articles, but... I think people are going to hopefully listen to this and be like, damn, what an interesting story because yeah. that's what I think. Actually, there's one interview. Oh, there's a real interview? There's one interview. Some lady got me to, like, interviewed me after uh, a Denver Outlaws game. I think there was, like, 23, li- 23 mm-hmm. listens. Yeah, 23 yeah, views? Yeah. Okay, well, I'm not I, guaranteeing I'm not, that. I'm not sure how legit of a reporter she was, but she told me she was a reporter and wanted to talk to me, so I was like, alright, hell yeah. Well, I can't guarantee that we'll top 23 views, but <laughs> hopefully over time we can we can hit that. Yeah, um, maybe 25. We'll, we'll work to 25. But at the end of every one of these, I give the guest a book, and actually today I'm your guest in your home. Okay. But I was looking through the books at my, my home house where I grew up on Long Island, and that was one of them. Yep. And the reason I didn't want to give it to you is because it's very thick. The reason I did want to give it to you is because, and for people listening, it's Steve Je- the Steve Jobs biography by uh, Walter Isaacson, is because Steve Jobs had a massive downfall, kicked out of his own company, on the down and out, and then rose to the top. Yeah. So I felt like your story was, I mean, I don't want to pump your tires and compare it to Steve Jobs, but... Of the face-off world, Pump them up, you're, 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 you are Steve Jobs. Um, so I figured we can wrap this up and I can eat this chicken-colored sandwich that I got from the Miller Place Deli next to Lacrosse Unlimited.